Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Diana Johnstone. Diana is an author based in Paris, France, whose past books include Fool's Crusade, Yugoslavia, NATO, and Western Delusions. Her new book, about which we will be speaking, is Queen of Chaos, The Misadventures of Hillary Clinton. Diana Johnstone, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Well, thank you for talking with me. And thank you for writing a very timely and very important book about the Queen of Chaos, Hillary Clinton. What motivated you to take this project on? Not so much the queen as the chaos. I want to thank you right away because you wrote a, a, a review of the book, which I think is very good. And I, I appreciate that you pointed out that the book is really not mainly about Hillary. Uh, she's simply the illustration of the personification of something. It, the book is much more about chaos than about Hillary. She simply is an instrument of, of the machine that is creating that worldwide chaos. Yeah, I really saw the book as a as a cultural critique of elite neoliberal U.S. Uh, governing culture uh, that went beyond just the the one person. But you have a great deal uh, of interest in there about Hillary Clinton. One of the one of the aspects that I thought you had an excellent critique of uh, that I hadn't really seen written about elsewhere was this obsession with genocide. Uh, which most people would think of as a good thing. Who's for genocide? We ought to be obsessed with genocide, with with eliminating genocide. What's the downside there? Well, I don't think we need to be obsessed with genocide because, uh, I, as I point out, most what you can call genocide occurs in wars. And the irony is that this campaign against genocide is actually used uh, quite deliberately, I think, um, by the U.S. administration to justify wars rather than to prevent them by saying, oh, you know, we have to look out for a potential genocide so that we can wage a preventive war to, uh, to prevent this genocide that might happen. And the catch there that I stress is that if you wage a war to prevent something and it doesn't happen, then you can always say, oh, it didn't happen because we waged the war. But Quite likely, it wouldn't have happened anyway. What are some examples of uh, of either wars that have been waged on that excuse, or opportunities that there were to to look for genocides and other evils, but that weren't good justifications for wars, and so didn't get the well, the attention? Yes, exactly. Of course, two of two wars that immediately come to mind uh, was was the war, the Kosovo War, which was sold to the public as necessary to prevent genocide in Kosovo. And during that war, there were all kinds of wild statements by the NATO spokespeople about how many people were being killed. After the war, in fact, they found that these statements were untrue. But nobody notices that. I mean, the public doesn't notice that. They don't pay any attention. And the result of that war is to turn it over to a bunch of gangsters who happened to be clients of the United States and to build a great big military, U.S. military base on stolen property. And so that was the real purpose of the war, was to grab this land. And then, of course, the other example is this fake genocide in, in, in Libya. 
and, and I just describe that in some detail, of the, the sources of the false uh, uh, reports, and that was used to destroy a country. Now, in the case of Rwanda, where there really was a genocide, the United States stayed out and now pretends that, oh dear, we didn't notice. But in fact, uh, the Clinton administration, and Clinton is a great friend of Kagani, who was a U.S. protege, and by not inter- interfering, they helped Kagame seize power. So, uh, you see, the U.S. decides when there's going to be a genocide and when there isn't, and, and they just play this to follow their own power interests. There's another phrase that's being tossed around in the same circles, including by Hillary Clinton uh, lately, which is the responsibility to protect. Uh, again, that sounds like a very good thing. Uh, what What is it, in fact? Well, that's that's uh, something that they've been selling ever since they played that already in, uh, in in Kosovo, and and of course that was the pretext that they were using. That's another way of preventing genocide, responsibility. You get these slogans going, and then you can make it sound very nice. Oh, dear, we should protect people. But in fact, it doesn't protect the people that we end up bombing on the pretext that we're protecting people. I mean, this is absolutely total hypocrisy, and it it is not a a way to avoid ever settling any question, because you start off saying, pretending, claiming, with the media going along with you, that people are about to be massacred, and we must hurry up and do something. And then you can't do negotiations. All of this is to prevent uh, democracy, d- diplomacy, to prevent diplomacy, to prevent negotiations, and just use military force, which is what the United States has so much of. Looking at the example of Libya, Diana Johnstone, uh, Hillary, as you uh, recount the events around the the U.S. attack, uh, U.S.-led attack on Libya, Hillary played a really major role in this case, didn't she? Well, it seems that. I mean, she's not the only one, because there's that histrionic Frenchman, uh, uh, Bernard Guilevy, who was... Who was who was getting France involved? But of course, that's a kind of a front because France didn't have the uh, military intelli- uh, hardware and stuff to do that. They had some bombing runs and they took part in it. But this was a little bit of what they call um, leading from behind. The United States actually did most of the dirty work, but it let its allies look like they were leading. Um, but. The, she she uh, she still it, it's horrendous, but it seems that in her debate, uh, and this is something that's pointed out by Conor uh, Friedrichshof of in the in the Atlantic. Uh, it's absolutely scandalous that in her debate uh, the other day, she could use the Libyan war as something to brag about, which, as as the author there points out really proves how ignorant the American people have been kept about what that war was, because it's a total disgrace on every possible level. I mean, I I think it's the core of my book. I'm not going to repeat it, because in a sense it's the heart of my book. Um, but, but the fact that she can brag about this terrible crime that she committed just really means that the American people have not been informed and they don't know what it's about. And, and that's what my book can help explain, I think. 
Yeah, I, I think there may be at least some slight awareness that Libya, like Iraq, was not left uh, a democratic paradise after the, the liberation. Don't you think? Well, I think they're somewhat aware of that, but there's, there's very little awareness that it wasn't the absolute hell uh, before. <laughs> right. Uh, and so what people don't realize, oh, they, they will say, oh, it was terrible before, and now it's terrible afterwards, but we tried, you know. That's not so. I was in Libya a few years ago for an international conference, and I had interviews with a lot of people, especially jurists. Gaddafi had nothing to do with that. I really saw a country that, for the region, was amazingly peaceful, prosperous, um, and and that's been completely ruined. And, of course, people in the United States have no idea of that. They just say, oh, Gaddafi is a horrible dictator, blah, blah, blah. They don't know anything about it, but they accept the media uh, version. There's some. Uh, we're speaking with Diana Johnstone, whose new book is Queen of Chaos, The Misadventures of Hillary Clinton. There are some other uh, incidents in Hillary's past, uh, Diana, that uh, I, I think there isn't really any way for the public to imagine in a good light. Uh, for example, coups in Honduras and Ukraine, uh, which you deal with in your book. Uh, what happened in, in Honduras and what was Hillary Clinton's role? I start out with that because that's one of her first uh, misadventures. That, that's the subtitle, by the way, that the editors, the publishers put on the book because I think misadventures is a very understated term yes. for what she's been up to. But uh, anyway, this was her first uh, her first role in, in regime change um, in in overthrowing the elected president of uh, of Honduras. And this was was uh, was not as bloody as her later uh, exploits, but but it shows exactly where she stands uh, socially and politically, and that is she stands with the oligarchies, whether in Honduras or in the United States um, or anywhere else, um, against uh, any kind of decency for for ordinary people, and uh, her. Her role, um, she she played a clever role, which she also was. She always has a term for her deceit and hypocrisy, which is smart power. And so she used her smart power to deceive and cheat and uh, help uh, uh, facilitate this military coup, which only plunged Honduras into a worse state than it was already in. And, and what is the evidence of her role in that? Well, it's in her own book. I mean, her her book, Hot Power, she she really brags about 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 this. So, <laughs> the, the, you see, that's the amazing thing. Uh, she not only does these horrible things, but she finds ways to sort of boast about how clever she was. And, and what about uh, Ukraine, where I, I think the the U.S. public is avoiding having to put the facilitation of a coup into a good light uh, by maintaining the understanding that nothing happened, there was a nonviolent democratic uh, revolution, and then Ukraine was invaded and attacked by Russia. What's the? Well, that's uh, another of these uh, political fairy tales. Um, of course, Hillary was not directly in, involved, but but 
uh, her former spokeswoman and uh, uh, Victoria Newland, they're the same breed. They're the same mud. They worked very closely together uh, in in destroying Libya, and Victoria Newland is, um, was right on hand to to push for and facilitate this coup in Ukraine, which has ended up with a government which has several foreigners, including that, which is totally run by Americans now. Um, and to help uh, the son of Joe Biden with his business affairs, which are quite considerable there, um, and other American companies. Um, but I think that that is a secondary aspect of this American takeover of Ukraine. The main aspect is being to try to get it into NATO or to use the crisis that the U.S. created in order to build up NATO uh, forces in neighboring states and pretending that uh, Russia is a terrible threat and so we have to build up NATO. This is great for the military-industrial complex. They absolutely have to have such a threat. And what about uh, just going back to Kosovo and Yugoslavia, which you brought up? Uh, Hillary Clinton was not then an office holder, but she was the first lady. Uh, what was her role in pushing for war back then? Well, uh, she bragged to her her uh, worshipful biographer that she urged Bill Clinton to bomb. Uh, now... Uh, is that true or is it not true? Uh, but the point again is, you, you see that she she is very upfront, in fact, very um, exhibitionist about how much she likes bombing and war. And that is the first example of, of that, that she actually boasts about the fact that she urged the, the, that... Uh, the, the bomb, bombing campaign, which has only produced you know, another disaster. Not as spectacular as the disasters in Iraq, Syria, and, and Libya, but disastrous in the smaller way, nevertheless. In, in the first debate uh, among the Democratic presidential candidates this year, uh, Hillary listed enemies she's proud of having made, uh, and she included in there the Iranians. Uh, she has, uh, as far as I know, a record of doing anything the Israeli government wants. Uh, what is her what is her position on on Israel and Iran and what is the danger? Uh, she famously said that if Iran were to attack Israel, she would obliterate uh, Iran. Is is there actually a danger of her pursuing war here? Well, first of all, I would just remark something that Karl Bernstein brought up in his biography of Hillary is that she operates by making focusing on enemies is something in her psychology, apparently, that she likes to focus on an enemy that she can defeat. And this is extremely dangerous for someone who wants to be president, to, to actually be proud of making enemies. Um, but, of course, when it comes to the Middle East, the enemies that she happens to choose all happen to be enemies of Israel, uh, by some funny coincidence, in as much as... Um, as uh, as that big, uh, I, I keep thinking of Adelson, but it's the other one, um, the other um, big billion, Israeli uh, billionaire 
who has said that he would put up as much money as necessary to get uh, to get Hillary elected, the sobbing that is his name, and he has said and boasted that he would put up as much money as is necessary to have Hillary elected because his issue, he's a one-issue person, and his issue is Israel. So it's very clear that Hillary has positioned herself to be the favorite candidate of, of billionaires who are ready to contribute to campaigns in order to have a president that will do exactly what Israel wants which will put her right in harmony with the U.S. Congress, in, by the way, which is extremely dangerous. The, uh, the company running that uh, first debate, uh, CNN's parent company, is a big contributor uh, to Hillary. Wall Street uh, is full of big contributors to Hillary. There seems to be uh, quite a surge uh, among the, the powerful in the United States uh, to support her. How does, I mean, how does she compare to some of the other candidates? Well, I'm not going to get into that, really, because, I mean, comparing to the other candidates, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to... I didn't write this book on behalf of any rival candidate. That's not the purpose of the book. And in fact, I rather conclude in a rather depressing view that the prob problem with Hillary is that she reflects the war party, which is in, in control of the United States for quite a while, and that it takes quite a movement to, to, to change that. It isn't just enough to, to elect someone who says, oh, I'm nice and I'm going to change things, because you have the, that war party has its grip, and people didn't realize it with Obama, for instance. They thought that was change. It turned out there wasn't any change. So, you know, just a candidate and a president is essentially a salesperson for a policy that is decided by a more permanent thread of control of government than the president, who's sort of a, a salesperson for the policy. And I just think Hillary would be a particularly uh, eager and enthusiastic salesperson for the war policy that the war party wants to run, and that's why she gets so much support. And the, the real problem is not just to, to bring in somebody else. It would be everybody is bad. For instance, Joe Biden is perhaps, well, worse. It's just that he's much dumber than she is. But uh, I, I, I don't want to get into to the question. I hope that a candidate will emerge who is really a peace party uh, candidate with really important popular support, because that's the only thing. It really takes practically a, a revolt of the American people who could wake up and say, hey, we don't want to be part of this policy which is destroying one country after another, and it's going to end up coming back on us. And it, it takes that awareness to, to make a difference. Well, I think that is very well said, uh, and but I, I think, as you indicate, that whose president does make some uh, minimal amount of difference, at least, and Hillary uh, is, is at the very least not not better, not preferable to any of the other ones I've seen yet. Uh, the, well, uh, she's, she has actually said that she's worse. I mean, she's made it clear that she's worse than Obama, because she was more gung-ho for this totally failed policy of, of, of training and arming um, 
as a third force in, in Syria. I mean, that's a, the old term for the new thing. Now it's the good rebels. And that's a total flop. That, but she was the big spokesman for that. And Obama hesitated. You see, I don't think she would hesitate as much as Obama had. And, and this is where Syria is where uh, the United States and Russia have now been brought more into actual conflict than in Ukraine. And those searching for justifications for military buildup around Russia uh, may have found it now in Syria. Well, I, I, I see some of the statements that are made, made by certain hopefully irresponsible people about uh, uh, but not that irresponsible. I mean, they're talking about having nuclear uh, arms um, maneuvers uh, up in north, uh, eastern Europe against to prepare for nuclear war against against Russia. I think there's a bunch of mad people. I mean, it seems to me that insanity has got into the to the water in Washington or London or something. I, I think it has been growing for some years, as you know. Um, I, I, I wonder uh, about levels of corruption and dishonesty, though, because Hillary Clinton seems to me particularly corrupt. I mean, this is someone who doesn't just openly push for more wars, and if you want more wars, vote for her. But this is someone who, as Secretary of State, waived restrictions on shipping and selling weapons to particularly brutal governments after they made contributions to her personal foundation. Um, with with that, I mean, does can you top that level of corruption? Could there be anything in her emails that could possibly come out that would be worse than what's already openly there? Uh, well, you know, the, the corruption somehow or other um, economic. I don't care much about money. It's, it's a subject that I just sort of can't focus on. And I can't focus on her financial dealings either. But I can, uh, the corruption, I'm sure that corruption is there, but the corruption that interests me is her intellectual corruption. And that's really the subject of my book. Her intellectual corruption allows her to talk about human rights and LGBT and all that, at the same time of being very, very close to Saudi Arabia, of all places. And, I, I mean, this is a level of, con of corruption it is much deeper than just grabbing dollars. That is that she believes in what she's doing, that she has an ideology justifying her behavior to herself. Yes, absolutely. And that's very frightening. It was uh, on display uh, as well, I think, in her statements about whistleblowers such as Edward Snowden, uh, which was in... Uh, sharp contrast to some other people. Uh, what is her, what is her attitude toward secrecy and open democracy? Well, uh, of course, the secrecy that she wants is the secrecy of of, uh, of the government uh, intelligence agencies. But she doesn't care about the secrecy uh, that ordinary people cherish of their personal lives. Um, she has no concern about 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 the security and and uh, and privacy, which is a protection. Because when a when a massive security state knows things about everybody, 
they have the, I mean, somebody in there, I'm not saying they as a whole, but somebody in there has the power and the possibility to frame people that are dissidents, to, to, to use that power against people who have done nothing wrong, but, but if you know where they were and what they did and all of that. This is something that the American people, I think, are very innocent about, and they don't realize how powers uh, can frame people and create um, false incidents and all of that. I, I discuss that in the book, but I think a lot of the public is very naive about the uses of this power. I think uh, President Obama has gotten away with a greater crackdown on whistleblowers and transparency than we had seen in recent years and decades uh, without much pushback, perhaps because he's a Democrat, not a Republican, uh, and Hillary Clinton seems inclined in that direction. Barack Obama has invented this new kind of war, drone wars, killing people with missiles from drones in huge numbers. Uh, and Hillary Clinton seems inclined in that direction. We see her laughing and giggling about killing Gaddafi. She seems to enjoy it, as just as Obama has been quoted as saying that he's, you know, proud at being good at killing people. Uh, is is that the direction that that Hillary Clinton would go? And if so, is that because of her personality, her ideology, or because of who's who's funding her? Well, it's a little of, of all of that. And the thing that, that uh, since I live in Europe, uh, the thing that I find particularly uh, distressing is that all of this is quite comprehensible to people living outside the United States. But the European leaders are not standing up to this because I think they're just terrified. The, the, the U.S. has shown the kind of retaliation that it can take against its allies. Remember the, the uh, uh, Freedom Fries incident um, when France dared not to go along with the invasion of, of, uh, of Iraq, and then they're demonized, and then the U.S. has this extraterritorial power of, of deciding that it will fine banks like $8 billion to this BNP um, bank in, in France simply because they did dollar business with with countries that the U.S. is, is, is boycotting. But this was no violation of French law. So that the U.S. is using this power to, to intimidate the whole world. It, it's, it's a terrorist power on all kinds of levels. And Hillary is, just seems to be to, to delight in this. Uh, the leader of the largest party in the United Kingdom now, peace activist Jeremy Corbyn, has said he would get out of NATO, he would get uh, U.S. nuclear submarines out of the United Kingdom, uh, and so forth. There, there seem to be some individuals and parties in Europe with a little bit of, uh, of spine in this regard, aren't there? Well, uh, y yes, I think this will have to develop simply because it's getting too dangerous for Europe. This, this, terror, this huge influx of, of, well, refugees, migrants, you don't know who they are. Hundreds of thousands and soon to be millions of people coming in. That is going, can completely destabilize European societies, which are in a state of unemployment already. They can't handle that, and that's a direct result of U.S. wars in the Middle East and Libya. Direct result. There's, I think that's beginning to wake up people on the continent that, my God, we can't, 
we can't keep going on to the U.S. because it's the Pied Piper. They're going to lead us right off the cliff. Corbin is a breath, breath, uh, breath of fresh air. He's great. The problem is, so far, uh, it, he hasn't... The, the, the labor people in his party that are, that are in the parliament don't necessarily agree with him, but he's the start of something, and he is the best news he's had. Well, I hope you keep waking them up. The book is Queen of Chaos, The Misadventures of Hillary Clinton. Diana Johnstone, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.